Welcome to the Memorial Sermon Podcast. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your walk with God and drive you closer to Jesus. For more information about our church, visit mbcmetairie.org. Now, here's this week's message. Well, as we mentioned earlier that we have been doing Advent at Memorial, and I want to again just thank you for joining with us. If you're just now joining with us uh, online, we just want to welcome you. We're glad that you are here, and we ask that you would comment below and let us know where you're watching from, and that you would share our time together in God's Word. Today, as we talked about love, man, the love of God for all People. Last week we talked about the hope of God for all people. Of course, next week we'll talk about the joy of God for all people. And then the final week of Advent, before we go into Christmas, we'll talk about uh, the peace of God for all people. And so I thought, what better passage for us to talk about the love of God for all people coming out of John 3.16. And so many of you may have it memorized, but uh, if you would like to go ahead and grab your Bible, we'll be there in just a minute. As you're maybe turning there this morning, I was thinking about Christmas and I was thinking about uh, some things that have been going on. Have you found that many love stories, especially Hollywood love stories, have become so predictable I talked last week about Christmas comedies, and we talked about some of the Christmas comedies uh, last week as we were talking about hope. Um, and nowadays, what we have are these things called rom-coms. Do you know what a rom-com is? Rom-com is, is it's short, it's an abbreviation for romantic comedies. And there is one company that is pumping them out like you would not believe. Did you know this? Hallmark. They are just pumping out these, these, these uh, rom-coms. And men, we thought that they made great greeting cards and gifts, but no, they make movies. And uh, one of the things that they're especially known for is that they're uh, especially known for making uh, predictable Christmas movies. I was reading an article this week uh, that, that this year alone, even with Corona, even with everything that, that's going on in the world, you know, a lot of Hollywood companies have kind of shut some things down. Even this year alone, they have created, are you ready for this? Over the top, 40 Christmas rom-coms. Someone needs to repent, okay? Think about that, 40 different rom-coms. In fact, I, I took a, a screenshot of, of one of the things and put it up here. We'll, we'll stick it up here on, on the screen. And, and let me tell you, with all the things that are wrong in this country, all right, that's one of the things that as a man, my, my wife and I were actually laughing about this as we were talking about what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, she she uh, and another family member were, were uh, watching one of these and, and uh, they go to a person's house and, you know, they're having this connection and they're, you know, going to get to know each other. And so they start making cookies. And sure, certainly my wife goes, who keeps all the ingredients to make cookies just at their house. Like they just have them ready to go, you know, waiting for like some romantic fling to like come in. And, and so she just thought, man, this is, this is so predictable to, to bring about. And, and you know, I, I, the reason I, I bring this up that, that it's so predictable is there was actually someone, it's just kind of a funny thing. Someone came up with this. I'll put it up here on the screen. It's probably a little small for you to be able to see, but they actually came together and made a Hallmark Christmas mo movie plot 
generator. And so like the whole time that they're putting this thing together is, you know, it's usually a, a woman who has come from the, the big city or maybe she's career oriented or she's recently single, you know, uh, maybe she's just world weary as some of them say. And, and, you know, she's, you go into that blue column, she's either a lawyer or a writer or a baker or, you know, maybe she's an interior designer or what you see in them. A lot of these is an early 2000s actor that you forgot about. You're like, hey, I hadn't seen that guy in like 10 years. Man, what have they been doing? Oh, they're in Hallmark movies now. And so now, so they return that green column. So they return home for Christmas. You can see that's everybody. Okay. So, so that's, you know, tradition. They got to return home and do all that. And, and there's a number of reasons that you get into that middle orange. Color. Maybe they inherit something or, you know, to enter some folksy contest or uh, to stop a corporate closure, you know, they're going to close down the family business or save the family business or, you know, maybe a friend is asking them to come and then they magically fall in love. That's got to happen. You know, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a Hallmark movie if they didn't, you know, magically fall in love. And so, uh, and then you get into all these different scenarios of the different guys that they fall in love with. And uh, for some, it's a sensitive guy in plaid. Okay. So that happens. Uh, maybe it's an old flame. We've seen that, you know, uh, some guy and his dog. Okay. Cause you can't really fall in love, but you know, the dogs come together, the people come together, all of that single dad and his child, or maybe they just fall in love with Christmas and the town and some guy. Okay. So you have all these things. And as we, as I thought about that, these 40 different movies, if, and by the way, if, if you're into Hallmark Christmas movie, I'm not, I'm not, I am poking fun. I, I am poking fun, but I don't want to like take that away from you, but maybe you can use this and say, oh, you know, Pastor Dan talked about that and I love it. It's so good. And so, but the reason I bring this up is because there is a lot of predictable Christmas love stories. And if you're a man, they are torture to your soul. But God's Christmas love story that we're going to talk about today is entirely original. It's entirely original. I'll tell you why. Because you are a part of it. You are a part of it. Your salvation, your eternal destiny is hinging upon the Christmas story of Jesus coming and the form of a baby, growing up to and living a perfect life, a, a sinless life. I don't know how he did it other than the fact that he was God because all of us have the sin nature and then ultimately dying on the cross for our sins. One of the things that I mentioned to our, we have our, our Wednesday night worship services that we were doing earlier uh, this semester before we got into the Thanksgiving and Christmas season. As I mentioned to you guys, and I want to mention this to you this morning, when we talk about love, I want you to understand this simple fact. Love is a one-way street. We all know if you go downtown, one-way street. Love is a one-way street. Now I can put it into terms like this. Have you ever loved someone and they didn't love you back? That's very real. A lot of times we think love, oh, well, if I love someone, they're supposed to love me back. No, 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 no. Love is a one-way street. 
And that for us, as we think about that in the context of a relationship with Jesus, Jesus loved you way before you ever loved him. Now, a relationship is a two-way street. And that's what God wants with you. That's why he sent his son Jesus. Not just so he could love you and so we could be apathetic to that love, but so that he could have a relationship with us. In fact, we're going to put this Bible verse up here on the screen just as we move into this. 1 John 4.10. I love this passage, but look up here. It says, this is love, not that we love God. Do you see the one-way street? Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. One of the things that you're going to see over and over, it's, it's so hard to talk about the birth of Christ without talking about the crucifixion of Christ. They go hand in hand. The sending of His Son and the sacrifice of His Son for our sins sins. And, and to think about this, and, and this has actually been mind-boggling. I want you to know I have really been meditating on this during this Christmas, that when you think of the love of God, you realize, we all know that Jesus was born almost 2,000 years ago. And so for us to be able to think back, do, do you realize that, I mean, none of us were around None of us were around. None of us were a twinkle in our parents' eye back then. And yet, He loved you and me 2,000 years ago. Have you ever thought about the generations to come after us if Jesus doesn't come back first? Have you ever thought much about that? I know, for me, I really don't think very, I think of my kids and perhaps my future grandkids, but, you know, I don't think of like my my triple great-grandkids or my great-great-great-great-great-grandkids or, or even beyond that. You know, I kind of think about the people in the here and the now, but here's what I want you to understand. Because God is eternal, because He exists forever he can see all the generations past present and future and he knew your name he knew about you and he loved you even 2000 years ago when no one even knew that you would exist now that is an incredible christmas story so with that i wanted to speak into a love for all people. And with that, there's no greater love story, in my opinion, than the one that is encompassed in John 3.16. I'm going to actually read John 3.16, as most of us know it, uh, out of the NIV. Usually I use the, uh, the Christian Sander Bible, but today I want to read it out of the NIV. And it goes like this. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Do you know the story surrounding John 3.16? There's a man named Nicodemus, and he's a pretty uh, religious guy. He's a Jewish religious leader. And, and so he actually comes to Jesus, and he's actually uh, sneaking to go see Jesus. If you go through and read the rest of the passage of John chapter 3, he goes to see Jesus at night. 
Do you want to know why he went to go see Jesus at night? Not because so that he could, you know, oh, Jesus is, you know, he's done doing ministry. Maybe he's got a little bit of downtime at night. No, he went to go see Jesus at night because he didn't want anybody else to know that he was going. But he was interested. He had been hearing about the miracles, maybe even seeing the miracles. And he comes back, he comes to Jesus at night because all the other religious leaders were, you know, they're they very skeptical of Jesus. In fact, many of them hated Jesus. And so he goes and he says, obviously with all these signs that you're doing, Jesus, we know that you're from God. We, we know that these signs are from God. And you know what, what's interesting is Jesus can kind of see where the conversation is going and he just cuts to the chase. He just cuts. He's not going to like, you know, kind of move into this. He just looks right back at Nicodemus. He says, Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And Nicodemus thinks about this in like physical terms and he, and he, and he looks back at Jesus and, and he says, Born, born again. So wait, he said, Jesus, all right, let, let me just put this into perspective for you. I'm an old man. How am I supposed to go back into my mother's womb in order to be born a second time? And it's almost as if Jesus saying, no, 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 no. You don't understand. He said, flesh gives birth to flesh. In other words, your mom gave birth to you. But spirit gives birth to spirit. He says, you've got to be born a second time. For every Christian that's in here today, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you should have two birthdays. You should have the day that you were born physically. You can go back to that day, your birthday. And then you should also have at least a moment, a, a realization where you say, that's when I was born again. That's when I surrendered and gave my life to Christ. And so here's what I want you to see is that Jesus's mission on earth, yes, biggest reason was for him to come and glorify his father, but also because he loved you to death, quite literally. The son of God born humbly in a stable and made to lay in a manger and later died on a cruel cross. And so I just very quickly just want to walk us through John 3.16 and see this with the Christmas spirit in mind. On that first Christmas, I want you to write this down if you got your notes. That first Christmas was motivated by God's love. Was motivated by God's love. For God so loved the world. And this is what it's all about. God's love for us. God, I want us to understand, you know, love in our culture has gotten so twisted. Do you realize how twisted love has gotten? But, but the reality is love takes our eyes off of ourselves and puts it on others. Jesus said that the greatest among you will be your servant. And let me tell you, there are a lot of people that are motivated by other things in this world that many times get interpreted as love, but they're not love. You know, I, we think about things like, like the word lust. Lust, you know, a lot of people might think, well, lust, I have these feelings for you. No, you that, that's exactly what they are. They're, they're feelings. But let's just talk about this. Lust is entirely about us. 
It's not about giving. It's not about serving. It's not about any of those things. Something like lust, which many times get in, gets interpreted as love, says, what can you give me? How can you satisfy me? And if I don't like it, I'll throw you away. Don't let that interpret. Other people that are uh, all about us, sometimes infatuation. And here's where I really want to bring things home because maybe with, if you're within the sound of my voice, I think a lot of times love and infatuation can get thrown together where you look at, at a person, particularly a human relationship, and that relationship becomes an idol in your life. And you care more about having that relationship than a relationship with Almighty God. And you have put it above that relationship with God. And that is infatuation. And many times that gets interpreted as love. But here's what I want you to say. When you put that person as your God, man, that you have, you have still made it all about yourself. Sometimes it looks like codependence and loneliness. And here in my heart, I know that many times that we have, especially with COVID and being at home and all that kind of stuff, a lot of times that we've dealt with loneliness. And so loneliness is something that's very real. But it, a lot of times where we take like codependence and things like that, where, where, where I, I need to have this relationship with someone. Do you see when you say, I need to have you? In, in, in dating terms, we call that desperate, okay? But that's all about you as well. And here's what I would say. Maybe you've been struggling with some of that. I'm not making fun of you this morning. Maybe that's a genuine struggle that you've been having. Here's what I want to speak to you this morning. Is your identity found in Jesus Christ? Is who you are found in Jesus Christ and wrapped up in Him? Or is your identity found in another person? And what Jesus is looking at you today is He's saying, look, my love for you makes you whole not that relationship with someone else. And so that's what I want us to see as we're talking about God's being motivated by, by God's love that first Christmas is that God so loved the world. And when he talks about being a servant for us, that he came, as he talks about this in other places in the New Testament, he says, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And to give my life as a ransom for all of humanity. For God so loved the world. He was motivated by love. The second thing that I want you to write down this morning in that first Christmas, it was demonstrated with His Son. It was demonstrated with His Son. The second part of John 3.16 says that He gave His one and only Son, maybe that you grew up uh, memorizing this verse and, and you say, well, Pastor Dan, you know, actually, I, I grew up memorizing as only begotten son. Do you really know what that means? It, it, it's the Greek word monogene. And, mogo, and mo, monogene just literally means his one unique son. There's no one like him. There never has been. There never will be. He is unique. And there is no one just like Jesus Christ. And so here's what I want you to see is that the love of God is demonstrated. It's proven with his son. Everyone in this room today and everyone who's watching online knows that there's a major difference between saying I love you and showing others 
I love you. We know that there is a world of difference. God does both. He says, I love you for God still love the world. Ah, I'm going to demonstrate it. I'm going to prove it with my actions by giving my one and only son. That means that our God is not just a God of talk. He's not a God of smoke and mirrors. He is a God of action. And not only does he demonstrate his love by action, by giving his son, it means that God, that God gave us, that God gave us out of and gave up his comforts. A lot of times when we think of Christmas, we think of cozy moments in front of the fireplace around the Christmas tree and, you know, chestnuts roasting on an open fire and presents and family. And a lot of times we think of comfort. But I want, to, I want us to think about how God demonstrated His love for us. He didn't demonstrate His love for us by coming down and being comfortable. He came down and gave up His comfort. Kingdom of God in heaven. Think about that. Jesus in heaven. That's actually what the word incarnation means. Where he is in heaven. Spirit in, in heaven. And he comes and he takes on the form of the body and comes down to earth and gives up all of his comforts. And he doesn't just like gradually give up all of his comforts. He does it immediately by being born in a stable and there's times when he talks about when he's in the midst of his ministry, he says, I, I don't have a place to lay my head. People are like, I want to be just like you. I want to follow you. And Jesus is like, you want to be homeless? And then ultimately, I mean, let's talk about comfort. How comfortable is it to die on a cross for the sins of humanity? Have God turn his back on you in that moment because he couldn't look upon all the sin of the world, upon, upon Jesus. He gave up his comfort out of his love. And that's what love does. And this is what I want us to get. I think that many times we could relate this to our own lives, that, that we think that we're walking in the will of God, walking in the will of God, and then the will of God leads us into something that's uncomfortable, and we begin to question, am I in the will of God? It's, this isn't comfortable. This isn't going the way that I thought that it was going to go. And nevertheless, I want you to be reminded this morning that Jesus gave up all of his comforts. Don't be surprised if he asks you to give up all of yours. And sometimes you can be in the very center of God's will for your life by being uncomfortable, but doing it for him and him alone. There was a man uh, who was one day, he was writing to the love of his life. Her name was Betty. And he wrote, my dearest Betty, I love you beyond words. Listen to this. Webster does not have in his dictionary the necessary vocabulary to explain the depth of my love for you. Thoughts of you dance across the portals of my mind. You are my all-consuming passion. That actually sounds like Betty is his idol. He needs, to get, he needs to get saved, man. So enraptured that I, regarding my love for you, that the Pacific Ocean would be like a pond if I had to swim in it. Ladies, if, this, if some guy feeds you this kind of garbage, like, don't you dare listen to it, okay? I could do it as long as I knew you were awaiting for me on the other shore. The heat of the Sahara Desert would never impede my progress to you. 
knowing that you would be the oasis. Oh, this is nauseating. That you would refresh me when I arrive. There would be no inconvenience I wouldn't endure for you. Climbing Mount Everest would only seem like getting over an ant's hill if I ever knew you were at the precipice. All I'm simply saying to you, my darling, is that my love for you transcends space and time. Signed, Sam. P.S. I'll see you Saturday night if it doesn't rain. When we see how Jesus gave up His comfort for us, little rain was not going to stop Him. Stable's not going to stop Him. Homeless is not going to stop Him. Comforts are not going to stop Him. And so many times, let's just put our cards on the table, a little discomfort even keeps us from being in church on Sunday morning. He demonstrated His love by being uncomfortable. Man, that we could turn around, not out of, not out of obligation and white-knuckling our relationship with God, but simply because we love Him back. That's what true love is. Third thing, that first Christmas, I want us to understand this, even 2,000 years later, necessitates your allegiance necessitates your allegiance. Let's just talk real quickly. It, the, the, the third part of John 3.16 that says that whoever believes in Him. Now, if you see up here on the screen, you see that I put necessitates your allegiance. I almost put necessitates your acceptance, okay? And certainly in some sense, that, that's very true. No gift becomes yours unless you accept it. And, but, and, and, and there's a side of this. Sometimes when I'm sharing my faith with others, people don't get the gift of eternal life, the gift of salvation that God gives them. So sometimes I'll pull out my cell phone and I say, listen, if, I'm, if I was going to buy you a cell phone or get you a new cell phone or something like that, you know, I get it up, I wrap it up all nice and pretty. It's something that you want, you know, something like that. And, and now here's the deal. I'm holding out in, in my hand. What do you have to do? And they look right back at me and they say, well, I have to take it. I have to accept it. I said, exactly. And so for all of us that are here in the room, that salvation is certainly something that you have to accept. It is not yours. God offers it to you freely, but it's not yours until you accept it. But I think a lot of times when we hear this belief that whoever believes in him. Now, I, what I want us to understand is that belief is more than just accepting facts as true. I believe that George Washington was the first president of the United States, okay? It's not something that has changed my life, okay? I accept it, but I have to have an allegiance to it. Does that make sense? Let, let me give you another great example. When a person becomes born again, their allegiance changes. Their allegiance to this world. Their allegiance to themselves. Their allegiance... To pleasure. I love our school. I wish that every single one of y'all could be in our school every morning. We come up here and I want to encourage if you want to come up one morning and just kind of trickle in and see what God is doing. It's just incredible. Come up, get you a cup of coffee. One of my favorite things about school here at Memorial Baptist on you know the weekday mornings is that we do the Pledge of Allegiance. We do the Pledge of Allegiance to the American flag. 
Right after that, we do the Pledge of Allegiance to the Christian flag. And after that, we do the Pledge of Allegiance to the Bible. And then Mr. Riggs leads all the kids in a word of prayer. It's incredible. You, you need to come and be a part of it. it. happens every, every day. But here's the thing. Why do we do that? Why do we do that every morning? Why do we get those flags out? Why do we get the Bible out? Why do, why do we do these, these pledges of allegiance, if you will? It's because it is our goal to teach the kids of first importance about loyalty, about loyalty, belief that it's talking about right here in John 3, 16, when it's talking about belief that whoever believes in him is talking about your loyalty. Belief is loyalty. Do you just believe that God exists or is there an allegiance and a loyalty to him? It's necessitated. Whoever believes in him. And so for many of you this morning, this is where I just want to kind of draw out your heart that you might believe that he exists. And maybe that you even had a religious experience. And maybe as you come into Christmas, you love all the things about Christmas, trees and presents and singing the hymns. And I, I love that too. I want you to hear that. But hear me. Look at me this morning. Christmas is about your allegiance. Are you loyal to Him? Have you made what we call a profession of faith where you say, God, I'm no longer loyal to this world or loyal to myself. I am loyal to you and you alone. That's what it's talking about. And, and when we give our loyalty to Christ, that's when he comes in and he saves our soul. Which leads me to my final point. That first Christmas celebrates your eternity. Celebrates your eternity. Shall not perish but have eternal life. And this really is the gift. It is a gift, the gift of eternal life. Now, now here's something that I want to talk to you about. So we talk about Christmas. None of us this morning, no matter what gift you get or what gift you may give, would ever say that that Christmas gift is more important than the person who gave it to you, regardless of how nice it is. Sometimes I see people who get more fired up about the stuff than the person who gave it to them. Some of y'all have heard me talk about this in the past where, you know, there's many times I, I deal with funerals and families at funerals. And, and it's unfortunate that sometimes that, that this happens where brothers or sisters or other family members are fighting over the inheritance rather than remembering the one who just passed away. It happens. I hope that you will never be a part of that. I hope that you will never partake if someone passes away in your family and there's inheritance somewhere, that you would say, oh, I want this and I want that. No, it's about the person. And that's what I want us to understand when it comes to the eternal life that Jesus offers us. Eternal life is a gift. But let me tell you something, even if, you know, that, that why do we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior? Why, when we think about Christmas, that it's about, it's about Jesus. He is the reason for the season. His salvation is all wrapped up in Him and knowing Him. There's a lot of people that say, you know, I want to go, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. Talks about perishing here. And we need to talk about that. We, we shouldn't be afraid of talking about perishing. We shouldn't be afraid of, of saying the word sin or hell or anything like that. The same way a doctor wouldn't be afraid of saying the word cancer or death. 
We, we don't need to be afraid of this. We don't need to stray away from it, that, that they would not perish, but they would have eternal life. Eternal life, here's what I want you to understand. It's not just where you go. It's who you're with. And it's about being with Jesus for all of eternity. As we get ready to wrap up, I... I um, Sometimes it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. So uh, I don't take that as a broad statement. But this past week, uh, we've you know been talking about our building in the back, and you know it's 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 exciting. We were talking about you know doing some fundraising videos and, and things like that, and so we were getting ready to uh, film a, a fundraising video. And you know we had a couple of guys in, in uh, Mr. Riggs' office this past week, and we were just all getting around. And you know we were supposed to be talking about things like fundraising, but you know what? You get you get some passionate people in in the room, and before you know it, you start talking about before, before they know it, you start talking about the ways that Jesus has moved, how He saved people's lives, how He saved their lives. And so I, I came across something. I actually had my, had my camera ready this week, ready to film all that kind of stuff. And I was just kind of getting it ready and I raised it up. And uh, I hope you don't mind Mr. Riggs, but man, Mr. Riggs shared his testimony this past week with the person that was in the, the room. And I thought, what, what better way for us to kind of end our time together? And I want, maybe you've never heard his story of how he got saved right here in this room back when he was a teenager. And so I think for us today that if you've never made a profession of faith and declared your loyalty in Jesus, I just want you to very quickly, two minutes, to hear that story. Would you guys roll it? I walked into that youth revival and I sat on the last pew in the church. Richard Hoag got up. Bill, Dave, and Mary sang first with their long hair and their guitars, and they did their things back in the 69 and 70. And then Richard Hoag got up, and he said, with the last two pews, we have two pews open in front, would you come to the front? God moved me from the last pew of that church to the front pew of this church right here. And for the next hour, I watched his tongue, his tonsils, he spit on me, he did everything as he preached. And I sat there and I was convicted the entire time. And he gave that invitation and hundreds of kids came down that aisle. I didn't move. I wasn't moving. I was not moving. I knew I was lost. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was busting the gates at all wide open. I wasn't moving off that front pew. He closed the service down. He climbed down off that pulpit. And he walked right up to me and he said, young man, God told me to come see you. That's all it took. I fell on my knees. Thank right God. There. And he prayed with me and he said these words to me. He said, now, Jerry, if you mean to pray, you just pray. I want you to shake my hand. And if you didn't mean it, don't you dare shake my hand. I shook that man's hand and I had a salvation experience that night that has never left me. I'm not perfect. I've sinned more than I care to admit that I've sinned. But he has been with me every single that was day. the turning point that was the turning point that was it and that and and, and you haven't looked back since i don't know if you've had an experience like that but i want to offer you the opportunity today to have a relationship with jesus it's not cheesy it's not a predictable hallmark movie 
Jesus and having a relationship with Him is as real as real can be.